Hello, and welcome back to The Scriptures Are Real. I'm co-host Lamar, and this is Kerry Mielstein. Hey, how are you? I'm doing well, Professor. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> well, we're, uh, we've got a couple things to do. We probably are going to have to break this into two, um, two different podcasts, just because we got a lot to cover here. We're talking about Genesis 24 through 27. Today, this is the story of uh, Rebecca and how she comes in the scene and becomes Isaac's wife. And how do we end up with Rebecca? So, well, so just before we get started here, let's set the scene. Genesis 24, at the beginning of Genesis 24, Abraham is well stricken in age, and the Lord blesses Abraham in all things. This is great. I like this. He's blessed in all things, which means not only spiritually he has good things, but also he has uh, material possessions. He has some wealth, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he's, uh, he's doing well. He's got a good servant out there. And a, a little note on this servant before we go. Um, the servant is, is not identified by name here. A lot of people think that this servant that's mentioned in verse 2, and Abraham said unto his eldest servant of the house, that ruled over he had, all he had. And we don't know who the servant is exactly. Now, we think it might be Eleazar, who's, who is, um, uh, is named later on in in, I'm not sure in Genesis. Do you know where he's named? Well, actually, uh, even earlier when he's wondering, uh, am I going to have a, a son uh, or should I adopt my steward of my house, Eleazar? Um, and so he, uh, before Isaac is born, Eleazar is his, uh, his, is steward, his, or his servant. Yeah. right? And that's the question. You'd think that it's the same guy, but uh, I mean, at this point, Isaac is like 40 and that was before he was born. So uh, of course, Abraham's still alive, so maybe uh, <laughs> Eleazar is too. I don't know, but it may or may not be the same guy, right? It, right. It's a common assumption that it probably is Eleazar, but we don't know. He's not named. But in for whatever reason, or for for all that it's worth, we don't know. But he is a very faithful servant, and he does yeah. exactly as he's told, which is great. Um, so Abraham is well stricken in age, and he needs a uh, he needs a a. a a bride for Isaac. Now Isaac's about forty years old. Yeah, it's about time to get married, don't you think? Yeah, it seems like it. Brigham <laughs> but, Young would tell him he was needed. <laughs> Brigham yeah. Young would have told him like you know. But now remember, he's out in the middle of Negev at this time. Yeah. Are they the Negev? Yeah, I think yeah, the Negev. Negev. That's that, that, which means like so, south, but the southern south. part, the, the more barren but, part. Although yeah. we have learned that it's probably not as wasn't as barren then as it is now that they were in a particularly wet season then, but still. Right. It's, it's the middle of nowhere. If you go out to Jerusalem sometime, um, and it's really fun there, it has some neat stuff. Basically, you get, Cal to me, Israel is California. It's all, got all the things in California. It's got the coastal area, which is up against the Mediterranean, which is very similar to the wet seasons and everything you would have in California. And then you got the, if, you in, if you're in LA and you drove east, and got out into Lancaster and further out into the yeah. rest, you get in the desert area, which is just like going south of Jerusalem. You get yeah. into a desert area. Which is where I serve my mission, by the way, in the Lancaster area. Oh, and well, Riverside, but then also out to Hesperia and Lancaster. Okay. And, yeah. So it's a, yeah, it gets exactly like that. And of course, you get down to the Dead Sea. And what do we have in California? We have Death Valley, which is the yeah. same thing. So if you want to picture what Israel's like, it's like it's like California. It's like Southern California, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Or Nevada or Utah, that all sure. of those states have that same kind of uh, that, that are along that longitude. Same yeah, thing. You've got the mountainous green areas up north and you have some lakes and rivers and then you get the 
kind of desert area, right? Moab and Utah is named Moab because it really is a lot like Moab. Like Moab, yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So uh, whichever of those states you've been to, uh, then you, you, you have very similar terrain. So, right. So anyway, a little side note there, but uh, th- the idea is, is Isaac is, um, is out there. There's not a lot of people around. There. He's, he's, they're kind of like their own little village. They're nomadic. They have a little bit of interaction, but they're in the land of the Canaanites. And um, in verse three, he says, uh, Abraham says, um, thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites. So a little note about that is, is Abraham calling all the Canaanites bad? Are they all bad? <laughs> it's hard to imagine that any group is all bad. Oh, I love that statement. Yes, that's right. I don't think that's true. He's not saying that all the Canaanites are bad. Why can't they marry among the Canaanites? Yeah, it's a good question. And, and it's a little complex because we do know, uh, I mean, from some things in the Bible and also the Book of Mormon, that eventually, and it's going to take 400 years, that the Canaanites are going to be uh, deemed worthy of destruction because they have they're refusing to repent and uh and just won't turn to god but they're going to get this long chance in between so we're going to say that there are certainly elements of canaanite culture that are problematic child sacrifice human sacrifice uh the fertility rights and focus on that and all sorts of things that are problematic and yet uh there are also a lot of, I mean, Abraham meets some pretty good and respectable oh, yeah. Canaanites. I have a friend, uh, Dr. Daniel Belknap. Uh, we should get him on with us sometime, but oh, sure. uh, who, who uh, studied Ugaritic, which is a language of a bunch of Canaanites. So he knows Canaanite texts uh, as well as anyone. And he says, you know, I find a lot of redeeming things about the Canaanites. So they certainly have some practices that are going to spiral their, their culture into some problems, but there are also some pretty decent elements and some pretty good people that Abraham meets that uh, he seems to get along with and respect. And so you, right. you, you got a mixed bag, right? right? So it's not just that if it were only that, then probably you could search for that, kind of, you know, really good family somewhere among the Canaanites that I sure. could marry someone. Um, but for reasons we don't fully understand, um, the covenant is restricted. So we get this more, say, in the period of Adam, from Adam to Enoch, right? We have these families that have chosen to covenant with Satan and families that have chosen covenant with God. And if you've chosen to covenant with Satan, then you don't covenant with God, right? That's That, that makes sense to me. How that restriction happens after Noah is more tricky. We, we just don't have enough information. So we know that at least some of Ham and maybe all of Ham's descendants, I don't know, we just don't have enough information. Uh, aren't going to have an opportunity to hold the covenant. I don't know why. And so I'm going to assume the Canaanites are descended from that, and so they can't, but why would they can't not be able to hold the covenant when it was generations before? Or is it just because really they have gotten so steeped into fertility rights and child sacrifice that God is saying, no, uh, the covenant can't go here right now? Or I, in the end, we just don't know the answer. And every time we've tried to assume and figure it out, we've done things that and said things that are probably incorrect. So it's best right. just to say, we don't know. What we do know is that the covenant's not going to go to any of these Canaanite kids. Right. Now, I've explained it a couple of times before. Um, it, it, people have asked me about this kind of thing. And I said, I don't really know the reason why, but the Lord seems to work with certain people at certain times. And... Um, like, for instance, the Levites were the only ones that had the priesthood at the time of, uh, of well, 
even before Christ, but during that time up into Christ, only the Levites held the priesthood. And eventually it, it extends out to more and more people. And remember, even Peter's like, you know, he doesn't want to go to the Gentiles. Ah, yeah. I'm not taking the unclean animals. That's that's not. And the yeah. Lord says, I've cleansed. But does that mean those people were always bad? No, I don't think so at all. It means that the Lord is working with certain people at certain time for whatever his reasons are. That's the deal. Yeah, we really don't fully understand it. Right. And I, I mean, I'll throw in that at least for part of the time where we, we say only the Levites could hold the priesthood, there were Midianites that held the priesthood, right? Okay. Uh, I mean, because right, the Midianites fair. like Jethro ordained Moses, and I'm assuming it didn't end <laughs> right then. Okay, well, now we're done with the priesthood, so get rid of it, right? So um, there, there were some Midianites that held the priesthood, but we kind of lose track of that story. Uh, we only know what happens to them when they interact with the Israelites, so... There, there's stuff going on with priesthood and covenant that we just don't know. Right. And that's what we need to keep in mind is that there's a lot of stuff we don't know. That's right. But what we know now is that the Lord is very keen on having the covenant continue through Abraham. He's blessed. He's given Abraham the blessings that he will have uh, these many people and in in that the covenant, the, the savior and all that will come through him. And so it's very important to keep the covenant, at least at this period of time, um, they, to be in the covenant. So, Enough said on that. We're going to move on to where he says to uh, Abraham says to his his, his servant, um, you know, go fetch a wife for for my son uh, Isaac. We need to get him married. He's forty years old. Come on, let's get pop in here. So they send him out. And yeah, there's a, and, but it, with that that strict instruction, it has to be someone right. from this line, right? So yeah, so you got to go. You got to go north. Go north and and uh, and find a, a son. And there's kind of a curious um go ahead you have something to say no no um there's a kind of a curious uh statement here um there's a covenant that takes place and he says i pray that you put my hand under my thigh verse two now we don't really know what that means um some people have thought that it means um that you put your hand on the thigh or near the thigh and, and there's, there's we don't even know exactly what it means joseph Smith yeah. says something different about the way that is I, I think all we need to cover here is it's there's nothing it's nothing crazy. All it is, is it's a form of a covenant and whatever it meant to them. It, I mean, it could be put your hand on my thigh and, you know, you put your hand over it and say, you know, okay, I don't know what that means, but it's a form of covenant. But it, the, what we take away from that is it's a solemn covenant. Yeah. It's not just a, Hey, by the way, head on out, do this, and that it's, Hey, swear unto me that by the Lord of heaven and earth, thou shalt not take a wife. From my, so it's a solemn covenant with his servant to go get, a wife for him that is in the covenant, right? Yeah. You know, and I would guess that there are a lot of people uh, in different times and places that would think that us putting one hand on the Bible and raising the other arm up okay. in the square yeah. would that would just seem weird to them. Like, what? What's that about? That's just kind of weird. When you're why, why they're doing that, right? It's just some kind of gesture or meaning that has a meaning to them, and we don't know why we lost the the story behind why. Which, like. In some ways, we've kind of lost some understanding of why we do do what I just said, or like a hand. Put our hand on the Bible. If, if we research it, we can kind of find it. But I'd say if you were to ask, most people are, I, I don't know why we do that. <laughs> okay. So anyway, just uh, get a couple of things out of the way so that um, so we can get tripped up on on those things. Yeah. So and I, I, I do think it's it's interesting to note he's going to send him back to his family. Where his where he has family to find someone because remember uh, when we did back like Abraham chapter one and Abraham said I could trace that I came from these fathers that could hold the covenant I am of the line that can hold the covenant so the group that he knows 
can have the covenant. There are probably others out there, but the group that he knows can have the covenant are the same people he's descended from, right? That family. So that's where he's going to send them so that he doesn't have any questions about it. Very good. Okay. And you just covered verse four should go into my country. He says, and to my kindred and take a wife and my son. Isaac. So he sends them to the land of his fathers and, and they go. So, um, so now what do we know about, um, uh, oh, let me, here's a couple of historical details just so we kind of know to put this in perspective. So Isaac is born um, around 1900 BC is, is when he would be born. So this yeah. is, I mean, give or take. I mean, yeah, we're, yeah. we're working with broad bands here. That's exactly right. Yeah. And Isaac is about 40 years old when he meets and marries Rebecca. And we'll get to Esau and Jacob here a little bit later. But Esau and Jacob were born 20 years later. And by the way, as we record this, it is Valentine's Day. And so this is a nice little love story. You don't see yep. a lot of love stories like this, but this is a love story that really turns out. Love, twoo love. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I was saying to you before the uh, before we started the podcast, I don't have a lot of experience with arranged marriages. So this seems completely foreign to me, but it worked out for them. Yeah. And as so a, as a parent, I'm kind of uh, becoming more in favor of arranged marriages. But, <laughs> Yeah. I'm not saying anything about my, my uh, children's spouses. I'm just saying like, it's harder for me to let them have that kind of free agency. I'm like, yeah, well, I, I think I know better than you do. But yeah. Anyway. When, when you know what's out there, you're like, Oh my yeah. goodness, not that I've seen yeah. that before. Okay. So anyway, here's what we know about Rebecca, which is, which is interesting. She's very beautiful. In fact, the Jill Smith translation says that it was the most beautiful woman the servant had ever seen. Yeah. So pretty good score there. Glad, um, glad to be descended from Grandma Rebecca. Makes me feel good about myself. <laughs> yeah, that's very good. And one of the, the key things, so he sets up a little bit of a, uh, a symbol or a sign or a test. And he's like, hey, if I ask uh, this lady who's going to give me a drink from her pitcher and she offers to do these, gives me a drink, then I'll know that's the one. And man, if we could, if we could do that kind of thing, that would be, that would be awesome. I mean, yeah. if we could set up a little test, the Lord doesn't usually like those things, but for whatever reason, um, he seems well, to go I, along with it here. Yeah. And actually, I, I think we're, we're a little, uh, we're a little funny sometimes as members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints about signs, because we, we know like, uh, Joseph teaches, it's a, well, Christ teaches a wicked, adulterous generation seeks for a sign. For Joseph a sign. says, if someone seeks for a sign, you can be sure they're an adulterer. Right. And, uh, and so we, we don't like signs very much as a result. But I think that that's a specific kind of sign. That's the kind of sign that says, I'm not going to believe until uh, you prove to me that I should believe, right? Which in the end isn't belief. Um, and we see that in the Book of Mormon as well, this whole, I'm not believing until you show me for sure. And I think that's the kind of sign that God doesn't like. But God does not seem to be opposed to signs where you already believe and you're acting on that belief. And you say, I'd like some help or some guidance here to know exactly what it is you want me to do or to know for sure that you're with me. We're going to see that with Gideon. We're going to see that in any number of cases. And this is one of those times where the servant's already acting in faith. He's just saying, help me to know if this is the right thing. And and I'm going to say, I think it's a, this, this is a cool servant. I mean, we all, I, I don't have any servants, but if I had one, I'd want one like this. So, um, uh, and, and I want to be clear, I'm not looking for servants that, that, that but anyway, uh, but <laughs> the, uh, uh, the servant is brilliant in the fact that the sign he gives will automatically give 
Isaac, a very service oriented wife, right? And yes. if I could choose for my spouse, my children to have a, a spouse with a certain characteristic, a spouse who is selfless and service oriented, what, what better characteristic to have in a spouse, really? I, I think that is a super point. And I was, I wanted to mention the same thing. We have a service oriented servant or messenger. Yeah. Or, and then we have a service oriented um, woman here who's going to become Isaac's wife. And there's a really good, strong um, evidence that service is the key here. Be of good service. So let's say maybe you're not looking for a servant, but maybe if you are a servant or you're serving in some capacity, try to do it well. Be, be of good service to people. Yeah. I mean, that, and that's what the Lord wants from all of us, right? To be servants to each other uh, and to serve each other, to be the least among us, right? Right. Uh, I, I, absolutely. And, and uh, before we go on, I'm, I, I'm just going to point out one other thing, just almost from a literary element, um, but mm -hmm. I, I think it is interesting. I, when we think of the great patriarchs and matriarchs, right? We can say Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We can even go Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. We can say um, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, Leah, Zilpah, Bilhah, uh, Aspah, Paneah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, the one we really know the least about well, besides us, which is uh, Joseph's wife, the one we know the least about is Isaac. We really never find out very much about Isaac. In the in the stories we know about Isaac, Isaac plays a role that is ancillary to Abraham's when we're getting the near sacrifice of Isaac. We have a little bit about Isaac in terms of uh, later on his doing something like his dad, like, hey, don't kill me. She's my sister. And let's work out stuff with Wells. But in the end, he's just doing exactly what his father had done. They're both stories that are just repeats of what his father had done. Uh -huh. When we get the story that we'll also talk about with uh, the blessing to Jacob, um, this is uh, this is just really a story about Jacob and Rebecca. And Isaac is, again, almost ancillary. I mean, he's, he's, he's important, but he's he's not the major character ever. And we don't ever right. learn that much about him. This story is more about the servant and about Rebecca than it ever is about Isaac. Um, and I'm not saying anything bad about Isaac in this, but I think that it's interesting that it's this, th these two service-oriented people who are the focal point of this particular story. Right. That's great. That's great. Um, that's It's really interesting. We don't really have that much. I didn't think about that. We always think them all grouped together, but there really isn't a whole lot there's a lot said you always think about Isaac the one that was sacrificed and that's the story about him for sure and there's I'm sure there's some faith on his part there but you don't hear I mean you hear a lot about Abraham and there's a lot about Jacob but you're right yeah. Isaac does kind of get moved over a little bit. maybe there's a, maybe there's another book out there somewhere that we don't have in our current collection that tells yeah. of all the great things that Isaac did I'd like we to don't have it yeah. <laughs> if that's out there so let's move on here um so in verse 14, this is what he says to the Lord. He's like, he prays the Lord. Um, and he says, if there's behold, it shall come to pass. If the damsel whom I shall say, let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, let me drink or that I might drink. And she shall say drink. And I will give her those camels also. Now it's kind of a big ask. He's got 10 camels with him. Yeah. So, so if I say, Hey, I'm going to ask this lady for a drink. And if she gives me a drink and wants to feed all my camels too, that's going to be the one. 
seems to be a tall ask. If you ask yeah, me. yeah, it is. So let's let's talk about the camels yeah. uh, for okay. a second. These are probably Bactrian camels. If you're into, you know, uh, if you're a camel aficionado. But anyway, um, wait, what did you call them? Uh, Bactrian. There are a couple different kinds of camels. That's the okay. kind of camels that they seem to have around there at that time period. But in any I, case, I know dromedary, and that's yeah. about it. So, so it's not that. Um, <laughs> those are those are the two main ones, Bactrian or, or dromedary. And um, these are camels that on a long journey can drink uh, anywhere at the end of a long journey, which they go on. This is, this is quite a while, quite a space between um, down in the negative, the Bersheva area and so on up to the Haran area. This is going to take them weeks and there is some water along the way, but still uh, it, it's, it's a long journey. So they can drink anywhere between 20 and 50 gallons. So if we just shoot for the middle and we say 30 gallons, each, um, each, and then you say there are 10 camels, that's 300 gallons, right? So now keep in mind, it's not just pouring 300 gallons. This is a, a well. So you have to lower something down into right. the well with a rope, get it full of water and pull it up. It's heavy. Water is one of the heavier things to carry yeah. anything. It's very eight, dense, eight, very eight heavy. pounds per gallon. Yeah. So that's pulling it up and then taking it to the trough and dumping it and then going and doing it again. 300 gallons right this is that's why this is such a brilliant sign because anyone who offers to do that you're like hey hard worker and happy to serve people because she doesn't have to do that it's just a nice strong capable <laughs> hard-working person that's who i'd choose for my sons or daughters if i could yeah Right. I'm, wow. I'm so happy. Like I said, I'm happy to be descended from Rebecca. This is, this is a badge of honor. She's a fantastic person. I hope that I would be as, as willing to serve. I'd be like, here's a, here's my picture. I'm going to leave it here. Yeah. Uh, just go ahead. I'm, I'm down the road over here. If you want to, yeah. want to bring my picture back. On your That's right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll just see you 45 minutes later when you're done with this. Right. Yeah. 300 <laughs> gallons, 300 gallons would be enough. Even if you were pumping it, but 300 gallons to draw out of a well. And yeah. To just think anyway. of that. I mean, she's probably drawing out a couple gallons at a time. So, but let's say 150 times of pulling 16 gallons up with a rope like this. That's some muscle burn by the end of that. Yeah. You're, you're, you're tired. Oh, maybe she worked out a lot. Yeah. She, she was buff. Drawing a lot of water. Yeah. <laughs> So he says, buff and beautiful. We're right. Buff and beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah. She's that's, a, that's she's, my grandma. Really? That's awesome. Oh, you're oh, great. Oh, yeah. yeah. Great, great grandma, Rebecca. Rebecca. Yeah. yeah. She's that, she's that sort. Um, anyway, so she does that. And so what happens exactly that came to pass before he's done speaking, behold, Rebecca came out who was born in Bethuel, son of Milka, wife of Nehor, Abraham's brother. Anyway, she comes down there and she was very fair to look upon. So that's high praise in the Bible. Nowadays, if you said to somebody, you know, honey, you're fair. Doesn't carry the same weight. But back then, <laughs> back then, this was this was hot stuff. Yeah. So she's very fair to look at. And like I said, Joseph Smith said that that he his interpretation was that this is the was the most beautiful woman this messenger has seen. So anyway, that's the same. She lived in the middle of nowhere. He'd hardly seen anyone ever. But I'm just joking. No, yeah, Rebecca's yeah. awesome. So all right, <laughs> okay. And uh, so she's virgin, and she's. Um, she is uh, very. Which is important. It's good that she's not married, right? I mean, <laughs> that, yeah, that wouldn't work well. Yeah. Yeah. Fill the picture, and then like, oh, by the way, I'm married. Ding, ding, ding. No. All right. All right. That work. Okay. So, um, so she comes up. She feeds it, and they, they um, the messenger drinks, the, the camels drink, and and they're all, they're all set up. So they've got a great, and so she invites them over. Come on over, meet my well, family. 
And you get this great thing where he says in verse 23, whose daughter art thou? Tell me, I pray thee, is there room in thy father's house for us to lodge in? And she said, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, uh, which she bare unto Nahor. And you have to see this servant going like, oh, man, this is working out well, right? Oh, yeah. She, she she's, uh, did this sign. It's from exactly the family that Abraham was hoping I'd go to. This is, I mean, it's one of those times where you're just like, Lord, you're taking care of me. This is the, I, I can see the hand of the Lord in everything that's happening here. Thank you, Lord. And I would guess literally he was saying, thank you, Lord. I, I bet that's true. I bet that's true. Uh, it, maybe he scored the first time around. Maybe the Lord led him to exactly that place. I don't know. Maybe he'd been to 300 other wells and no one gave him to drink. I don't know. We don't know that. Yeah. But we know that he scored this time and it works out great. She's, she's beautiful. She's willing to serve. She is um from a covenant right lineage, family covenant. yeah perfect so and to rebecca's credit she recognizes a, uh that she willing to serve and she's like he's like hey i've got a husband for you and you should come out here and she's willing to go she's willing to leave her family and probably not see her family maybe ever yeah it's a well, long that way. seems to be the case it, it yeah. does seem to be goodbye to my family forever I will go to meet some people I've never met and stay right. with them forever. Yeah. I, I have to believe that Rebecca was both inspired and courageous. Oh, she'd uh, have to be. You'd have yeah. to be. And I think, you, I think that you're right. It requires both of those because you can be faithful and have your heart fail you and not be courageous. Yeah. And you can be courageous and charge off in the wrong direction. So. Yeah. But I think you're 100% right. I think she had to be faithful and she was courageous and she had to have had some confirmation um, because what faithful, you know, serving daughter wants to just head off with strange people, you know? So anyway, yeah. well, that's what we know about her. And she's, and by the way, just so you know, she's probably about 20 years old now is what we know. If it says elsewhere that she was 20 years um, younger than Isaac. And uh, we know that Isaac's about 40 in this time frame. So she's about 20, she, depending on how long it took her to get to and from or whatever. She could be anywhere 18, 19, 20. We don't know. But in that band, well, again, we're working with broad swaths here. So don't yeah. pin me down exactly. But she's roughly 20 years old. So just that gives you a little, a little uh, background and perspective on who Rebecca is and how faithful she is. And, uh, and what a great... Um, example to us of, of a willing person who stepped up at the right time and and um she's going to have some tough things happen to her and and to the whole family but overall um she she does the right thing and she is a good clutch player absolutely agree uh and one of the one of the role models for all of us both in this story and and throughout the rest of the stories that we'll read about her where she seems to be someone who is both sensitive to the spirit we're going to see that Again and again, she's sensitive to the spirit. The Lord speaks to her and then faithful to what she has learned through inspiration or revelation and, and willing to, whether it be in this story, leave and leave her family almost immediately. Like no time to say, oh, I'm just, let's have a couple of weeks together where we enjoy each other for the last time. It's the, I'm off, I'm out of here. Um, and so she's quick to, to follow that inspiration and obe be obedient to it. We're going to see it in the story of seeking to get the, the blessing for Jacob. Well, her, what she learns is she's pregnant and then seeking to get the blessing for Jacob. She receives inspiration. She acts on it. Um, if, and I'll just tell you, uh, personally, 
if I could choose my own uh, epitaph, right, what someone would say about me after I died, and I don't know that this is what someone would say about me. I don't know if it's true, but it's what I'm aspiring to have be true about myself. It is that he sought to learn the will of the Lord, and then he did it. Right. That's, that's, a, oh, that, that's, that's what I'd like to have said of me. And I think that I just described Rebecca. Right. That's that's uh, Rebecca seems to receive inspiration and then she does it. Very good. I I couldn't say any better. I think that's fantastic. And if I could steal your epitaph, I would do that for myself, too. If, if that's it, it would be it, everybody wants to everybody should aspire to be what, what Abraham is called the friend of God. And she yeah. certainly fits in that family. If Abraham's a friend of God, Rebecca is a friend of God. Certainly. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, and it must be nice for her to go down and meet Abraham and all that stuff. I mean, she's gonna she's coming into a pretty great family, but she doesn't really know it at that point. You do wonder what she knows, right? So remember that Abraham left these folks behind in, in uh, Haran because they weren't continuing to follow him in worshiping Jehovah only. Uh, and we know that this family that she's in has idols. We, we know this from the later story with Jacob and Rebecca. I mean, Rachel and Leah. This is an idolatrous family. Uh, we know that, but she also, it's not that far removed where she probably hasn't heard stories of Abraham. I mean, she, oh, she must true. have heard those stories and she knows something about who he is and what he stood for. And again, it kind of feels like, even though she may not have come from a fully correct environment, that she, she's pretty correct herself. Um, and uh, again, I just, I, I really am so impressed with Rebecca and so pleased to be descended from Rebecca. That's fantastic. I'm bragging well, all over the place, aren't I? <laughs> That's excellent. Anyway, a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a few women that we hear a little bit about, um, but this is one that's really great to, to focus on. Rebecca is a fantastic role model and, uh, and a great pinpoint. So um, I'm glad we got to spend a little bit of time. In fact, I think that's probably going to do it for this podcast. We'll get to, um, this is Abraham 20, or excuse me, this is Genesis 24. And Genesis 24 is a long chapter. I mean, as yeah. far as chapters goes, it goes on for a while. And 67 verses. It's 67 verses. And the end of the story of this chapter anyway, is that they go back down and she's, and Rebecca sees Isaac and she, I like this. This is a great uh, term. Uh, I'm sorry. She, uh, just to give you some context, they're going back down. They meet them. And she sees this guy in the field. She says the messenger. Yeah. And I love that? this out like, meditating, right? That, that's out. a great thing about it. That's the one little thing we learn about Isaac. He's out meditating. That's good. Yeah. Meditating, praying, yeah. Um, pondering the scriptures, uh, whatever what he's doing. Yeah. Something he's doing something. Lines. He's, he's doing he's, what he's he communing while she's commuting is what's happening. <laughs> oh, there's our commute commute again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, that works out. Um, yes. So he's doing what he should be doing also. So let's give props to, uh, to Isaac. He's doing what he should be doing. And she sees him and says to this messenger, who's that? And he's, Hey, that's Isaac. And this is a great, she lighted off her camera. Yeah. So she dismounted. Yeah. But she's there's like jumping and ready to go. There's a couple of, I don't know what the Hebrew word is. The Hebrew word is something like it, it translates to fell off the by off the camp. Uh, what's what's the verse? I can't remember. Uh, the verse is 20 or excuse me, 64 in verse 24, 64. The point I'm getting to here um, is that uh, it sounds like she's enthusiastic. She doesn't just kind of get off and amble over to him. It seems like she's enthusiastic. Yeah. Let's no, meet my husband. Very 
And and one last thing about that. She also covers herself with a veil. Now, oh, um, it, it is. It's from the verb uh, for uh, nofel, which does mean to, to fall. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean necessarily like she totally fell down. It's no. you can you, you can also do it like when you put yourself down or you lie down or you throw yourself down. So it's, I would say maybe a uh, better translation is probably and she threw herself off of the camel. Right. So yeah, she's, she's that's exactly. rushing over there. That's so pretty, this is, I had never this, noticed that before. That's pretty cool. She is it's enthusiastic is what I'm getting at. It seems yeah. like she doesn't just get down and walk over there. She's enthusiastically meets Isaac. And there's with you her can veil also on, tell, but, yeah. with her veil on. But the, let's talk about that. I, I was about ready to be done, but let's let's just talk talk about that real quick about the veil. Uh, the veil now um, is a symbol. A lot of people have said, well, you know, mid, mid, Middle Eastern women or the women of the Bible, they covered them up and they did all these things. And this is again where we don't know all the reasons why, but this was a sign of respect at this point. It's not that she is trying to hide anything, and it's not necessarily subservience either. I mean, it could be respect. You could call that subservience in a way that you know you you might to to uh, a new family member or whatever. But this is not a, a a veil in this time is not a punishment is what I'm getting at. It's not we're not putting him in a in a in a bag and hiding him in the corner. That's not what this means. This means that she is being proper and respectful. And some people, some Bible commentators I've heard, even said that it is significant of the marriage covenant that she's going to enter into. She's presenting herself as a bride basically yeah yeah and and uh then the brides seem to take their veil off uh later in, in, in the wedding night right and so on and, and so we get that tradition in a number of places uh and and sometimes it does seem for us just odd that these different little traditions or conventions right so maybe i can just use an example of uh, uh of one in my own life uh, my my wife's grandparents, salt of the earth, best people you could ever meet, right? Literally Idaho potato farmers, uh, and just the, the best people. And uh, we, uh, they they eventually sold uh, their farm in Idaho and moved down, and we we were the closest family members to them. So we were quite often going over and helping them out and taking care of them. We were very close to them for a lot of years, uh, and towards the end of uh their life um just after i think they'd done their 73rd wedding anniversary and my wife's parents were talking to him they were saying yeah that carrie and at this point i'm like 40 something that carrie he's such a nice boy we like him so much just the one thing we don't get is that he leaves his hat on when he comes in the house right because i'd be at (laughs) their house like doing your yeah i'd have my baseball cap on because i was mowing their lawn and helping him with this and that and so on and then i'd come in and i i knew that like hundred years ago, people took their hat off when they came in the house, but I didn't think anyone did that anymore. I didn't think anyone cared about it anymore, but apparently they did. Right. And oh, yeah. so that was, that was the thing that they thought was just, uh, and I didn't, no one that I knew ever currently did that. So it was just an old antiquated thing to me, but to them, it was a, a real deal. And it was a sign of respect. That's what it was to them was a sign of respect. And to be honest, I don't know why taking your hat off when you come in a house is a sign of respect. You know, I kind of think about like Jews where it would be a sign of disrespect to take your hat off. Um, and right, so, right, right. Yeah. So, uh, but we each have, each culture has its own little custom that's a sign of respect. And I don't think it, that uh, it's sometimes we read more into it than we should. Well, and, and look at this. You find any picture, even the United States, find a picture of men outside and they always have a hat on. Yeah. Unless there's some reason why, but that was part my grandfather. I have one of my grandfather's hats 
And he always had a, a, a bunch of hats that he would wear when he went out when he was younger and later in life. he didn't wear hats all the time, but, um, but in the 19, before 1940s, you look at any picture and people have jackets and vests and coat and, um, and hats on. That's a proper thing. So what your grandparents were probably responding to was you put your hat on, that's an outside garment. You yeah. put that on when you go outside, that's a proper outside garment. It's not proper in the house. Hats yeah. have their place. So in this yeah. case, the veil has its place for her. And so we, this is one more thing that we know about her is that she has good manners. Yeah. She has and it's good interesting. Manners she doesn't feel she needs to be veiled around Eleazar. Right. No, so it's not no. that around all men, she has to be veiled. There's something about approaching Isaac before the wedding where she has to be veiled. And, and uh, we just don't fully understand the, the custom, but I'd say let's not read too much into it. No, no, I, I, that's in, in I a think. negative way. Yeah, I know that's what you're saying. Yeah. No, yeah, I think, yeah. I think that it's, 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 it's a sign of what we know is it's a sign of respect. And very possibly she's presenting herself in a bridal way. She's like, yeah. I am your bride. This is, you know, this is a, kind of looking like this is a foreshadowing of the, of the marriage ceremony. So anyway, just, I just didn't want anybody to look at that and go, oh, no, this is one of those things we got to hide the people under a tarp and, Whatever. That's not yeah. what we're talking about here. This is this is a, a, a sign of respect. And one more thing to her credit that she is well mannered and respectful and joins the family and uh, and goes on to have great prosperity and uh, yeah. and progeny and all that stuff. And enthusiastic. And, and enthusiastic. And, and I have to guess that Abraham and Isaac felt like they needed to give this servant a bonus by the time they were all done with this. Like, oh wow. Okay, we, we sent you out and you, you came back with someone good. Thank you for coming back with someone so wonderful. This guy is great. I'm going to, yeah. I, I, I like to meet this guy someday. He has some good adventures and did some good things. All right, gang. Look, uh, we, we've uh, got through 24. Um, it's a long chapter. We, next time we're going to hit, um, we'll break it into two. We'll do this, another recording right now, but we're going to do um, 25, 26, 27 next. And uh, we'll hit all those things and we'll get all the way up to, uh, to Jacob and Esau. Yeah. And, cool. and maybe I can just throw in one thing. Uh, sure. like, as you said, it's a long chapter and I love like the stuff we talk about with it. And I love other podcasts and things like that. Um, and we want to enhance your scripture study, but the, the key is to enhance your scripture study. We don't want to replace your scripture. Study, oh no, so not at all. Make sure you are still studying the scriptures. Our, our key is that there's power in the scriptures. That's what we're all about. So go and read those scriptures and get the power out of them. Perfect. Yes, read the scriptures for yourself, and uh, we're going to add a little color in there and help to understand some harder passages, and particularly when it becomes personal to us. And it's when I get to know these people, when I get to see them as people and not just stories, these are people and things that happen. And as you said, these are our forebears. These are, yeah. our, these are our generation, our generations that we came from. So I'm, I'm happy to know my great, 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 great grandmother. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and as you said, like the, it's the little things about the gallons of water and things like that, that make those stories become real to me. So thanks for reminding. I should have said that then, but anyway, thanks for reminding no, no, me that's, that. that's great. No, perfect. All right. Gang, thanks a lot for joining us on the scriptures are real. Please uh, like, and subscribe. Not for us necessarily, but to, to try to show this to the people, if this is helpful for you to help for you, if it's helping you understand, if it's helping you to uh, feel more connected with the scriptures, share it, tell people about it. Let's get some more people involved in this and get in there and read the scriptures and be engaged with those, with the word. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you next time.